Luke chapter number 8. If you're able to stand with us, and uh, for the sake of time, we won't read a lot of scripture, just read a few key verses. I think you know the story here about the uh, Gadarean that Jesus touches and he heals him. So we just want to read a few selective verses. I want you to see verse number 28. The Bible says, When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? Notice this. He said, I beseech thee, torment me not. And then verse number 30. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there were there in a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then look at verse number 37. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadareans round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city of how great things Jesus had done unto him. Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word now. Give us liberty these next few moments, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach on this subject on when God's plan is greater than your prayer. When God's plan is greater than your prayer. You know, it's amazing to me how you can read a passage of Scripture over and over, and then one day the Lord will highlight and let you see something in a text that maybe you've read it many times, but you never saw this before. And you you may have seen this, but I was reading the other day, just going through my daily Bible reading, and I came to Luke chapter number 8 and began to read this story that we're all familiar with. But I noticed in this text here that there's something uh, that is far more shocking than even Jesus healing this Gadaria. Now when you think about the condition of this man that he had a, a legion of demons in him, five to ten thousand demons were living inside this man and Jesus heals him and casts those demons out and society finds him sitting and clothed and in his right mind. That is a miracle within itself. That's shocking, isn't that right? But there's something in this text that I want you to see this, this evening that is far more shocking than even the miracle that Jesus performed in this man's life. Notice the word besought is found, I think it's five times. It's found in verse number 28. As they said, I beseech thee, torment me not. And then in verse 31, and they besought him that he would not command them to go into the deep. And then in verse 32, the Bible said that they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And then in verse 37, the Gadareans round about besought him to depart from them. And finally in verse 30, the man out of whom delivered was uh, uh, who of whom the the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. So here's what I want you to see tonight. You've got three prayers that are being prayed. The word besought is the same word where we get our word beg. Or Paul said, "I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, I beg thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God." In fact, if you go to the book of Mark and you read this story, Mark only uses the word besought one time, but he uses the word pray. 
in place those other two times. So what I'm saying is the word besought is the same word as pray. It means to beg. And what you have in this text here is you have three prayers that are being prayed. You have a prayer being prayed by the demons that are in this man. They beg Jesus in verse number 28 uh, that he would not torment them. And then they pray and beg him in verse number 31 that he would not send them out into the deep, but that he would send them into the swine. So you've got these spirits that are praying and they're asking Jesus to do something for them. Don't torment us. Send us into this swine and don't send us into the into the abyss. And then you've got the Gadareans, the, those that lived in that society. In verse number 37, they hear that the swine has all been killed and they pray to Jesus. They beg. In fact, uh, Mark says that they prayed him that he would depart out of their coast. Amen. And then you have a third prayer in verse number 38 and that's the man that has been delivered and thank God he was delivered, amen? But this man is delivered and he prays that he might go and be with Jesus, amen? Now think about this tonight. Three prayers by three different uh, individuals. These demons pray, these Gadareans pray to Jesus and then this uh, demonic man that has been uh, delivered prays to Jesus. But here's what is shocking. Jesus answers the prayer of the demons. He sends them into the swine. Uh, He doesn't send them in the abyss, but he sends them in the swine. Then he answers the prayer of the Gadareans as they pray that he would depart. Jesus answers their prayer, gets on a boat and goes to the other side. But what about this man? This man that has been saved. This man that's just been converted. Here in verse number 38, or verse number, yeah, verse number 38, we have the first prayer that this uh, newly uh, converted man has prayed since he's been saved. And may I say it's a good prayer. It's a fundamental prayer. It's a very fervent prayer. This is a prayer of faith as he prays and he besought him that he might be with him. But the Bible says this, Jesus sent him away. Now Jesus answered the prayer of these demons. He answered the prayer of these Gadareans, but he did not answer the prayer or grant the prayer, should I say, of this man that had just been converted. You might be here tonight and I read that text, I thought, how interesting that he gave the devils exactly what they wanted. He gave the Gadarean exactly what he wanted. And should I say he did answer this man, but he did not give this man what he wanted. He didn't give this saint what he wanted. And I thought that when I read that the other day, I thought, now why, Jesus, would you not answer this man's prayer? And I think it's a very logical explanation tonight is because that Jesus in the next verse gives him basic instructions telling him that I've got a plan that's greater than your prayer, amen? You see, I'm glad God, when he saved us, I'm glad he has a plan for our life. Isn't that right? I'm glad he knows more about what we need than what we do. There's been a lot of prayers that I prayed that he answered them, but he didn't grant them, amen? He said no, or he said wait a while, or he said something else, but he didn't give me what I asked for, just as he didn't give this man what he asked for. He had a greater plan. Can I say tonight, God always has a better plan than we do prayer, but sometimes he'll answer our prayer prayer, but sometimes he'll deny that prayer because his plan is always better than what we're praying for. You know what I like? I like Romans chapter number eight where it talks about the spirit itself, how that it maketh intercession for us. It helps us when we pray. 
Sometimes we pray and we say things like, now Lord, would you do this? And God knows that isn't really what we need, but he hears our prayer and he answers it according to his will, not our will. Somebody said that real praying is not, uh, the purpose of prayer is not to get my will performed in heaven, but to get God's will performed on earth, amen? And that's what real praying is about. It's about me praying and getting in line with whatever the will of God is and doing the will of God, amen? Prayer is not about me manipulating God to do so, uh, into doing something that I want him to do, for God is not a genie, as I said this morning. He's not a bellhop, uh, but God has a plan. He has a will for our life, and if you and I are gonna know what that will is, we're gonna have to spend time in prayer to find out what God wants for our life, amen? Now, he had a greater plan than this man did prayer. What you want you to see tonight is notice that when Jesus gives him these instructions, the reason that Jesus did not answer his prayer in verse number 39 was because he wanted this man to do three things. Number one, he wanted him to live out his obligations. Look what he said in verse number 39. He said, return to thine own house. He wanted this man to live out the obligations that he had in his life. Now, I don't know if this man had a wife. Maybe he had a wife. Maybe he had children. Maybe he was the, uh, maybe he had a mother and father back home. Maybe he was never married. He lived at home with his parents. I, I don't know his situation, but he obviously had a house. He obviously had some relatives. Uh, it may have been a family. As far as a wife and children, it may have just been a mother and father, but whatever it was, I think you have to agree tonight that this man had failed his family. Isn't that right? This man had forgotten his family. He had forsaken his family. He had fled from his family. He had not lived up to his obligations in his own household. And what Jesus does is he saves this man. He redeems him. He forgives him. But he tells him, you have some obligations in life. You can't go with me. You can't go where I'm going. You can't be like one of the disciples. You've got some obligations here at home that you need to take care of. You know tonight when God saves us, uh, he puts responsibility uh, in our our heart. He gives us the, the desire to want to fulfill the things and do the things that have been left undone in our life. Amen. You see, we're living in a time when we have a lot of Christians or so-called Christians today. They're not fulfilling their obligations. I've never seen a time, and I'm sure you would agree with this, when people will work harder to get out of things than if they just go ahead and do them. Is that right? Friend, that's not just in church. That's everywhere. Amen, pull up, at, pull up at McDonald's or Wendy's or wherever and order a hamburger and see what you get, amen. You'll get a bun and you'll get something in the middle of it, but you never really know, amen. I mean, people just don't, you go in places and, and you look at the, listen, you look at the standard and the quality of anything today, it's hard to find people that just take a sense of, of pride in the, what they're doing and in their labor, isn't that right? That we're living in a time when everybody wants something for nothing. Not, not everybody, but the majority of society and this generation today and this society that we're living in, uh, they, do not have, they do not want to fulfill their obligations. Now, I wanna say tonight, when God saves us and God forgives, says that's wonderful but we still have to pick up the responsibilities and we still have to do what is required of us to do amen I mean just cause you're saved uh, and listen the Lord has promised to take care of you I think he will as brother Logan said he'll pay your bills he'll put food on the table he'll put clothes on your back and shoes on your feet but you still got to get up on Monday morning and go to work somebody say amen 
I mean, there's a lot of people today that just want to freeload, amen? They just want to live off somebody else's wealth. I, listen, we're, this isn't socialism. God don't work on a social scale. We're not spreading the wealth, amen? If you're a lazy Christian, you'd expect a lazy reward at judgment day. You got to work. You got to labor. You got to put forth an effort, amen? You got to put God first, and, and you only get out of something what you put in it. Isn't that right? Isn't it amazing the society we live today? They, they, they want to just, you know, they just want to flunk their way all the way through school, uh, not go to college, but then they go to job fairs and they fill out to be a supervisor on a job that they don't know anything about. And nowadays at job fairs, they have to tell them. They actually have to put it out and tell them, you need to dress up for a job fair. I mean, can you imagine the world that we're living in today? I mean, somebody walking in with an old T-shirt and tennis shoes and blue jeans. Now, if you're working in a factory or field, that's all right, amen? But if you're going in for a job interview, you ought to put your best on, amen? They'll walk in there with, with something like that on and, and you know, they, they want to fill out an application to be a, a construction engineer, I mean, their elevator's not going all the way up. Y'all come on now. That's the society we live in. I'm telling you, listen, if you didn't go to college, you can't get a career job. Somebody say amen. I mean, there ain't nothing wrong with being a blue collar, amen? That's what I was. And there's nothing wrong with working in a factory, amen? But society, listen, they don't want to, and then they get a job, they get a good job. They just don't want to work. Are y'all quiet because you're under conviction or you agree with it? I'll tell you something. I worked on a job with a man. I told him we was talking one day. I won't call his name because I don't reckon he'd listen to this. But I said to him, I said, you realize how hard you work at getting out of work? I said, man, you take a lot of pressure off yourself. You just get in here and work with us. Amen. He's always hiding from the boss. He's always looking for a, a few minutes and he rested more. I mean, I don't know. He didn't do anything to get tired, but he rested all day long. I said, man, if you just pick up some boxes and push a hand truck, uh, time goes a whole lot faster when you're working, amen, and you're a whole lot healthier uh, moving around than standing around. Somebody say amen. I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody tonight, but when you go to work tomorrow and you punch a clock, you ought to give them an honest day's work for an honest day's pay, amen, and if you got a job, don't complain about it, amen, I mean, just work. Live out your obligations. Take care of your family. Take care of your home. Amen. I still believe dads ought to be breadwinners. Amen. I know that we're living in a society where it takes two a lot of times, but I'll tell you something. The responsibility of paying the bills and bringing home the bacon, it's on the man, not on the woman. Amen. That's the society we live in today. Brother, I'm telling you, listen, we got men working in daycares. Come on. Isn't that right? And women climbing power poles and driving dump trucks. I nearly got run over by a woman on an 18-wheeler the other day, and I thought, my goodness. She never even saw me. That's a whole other reason why women shouldn't operate heavy machinery. Amen. <laughs> and men got, listen, men ought to not be working in, flor in floral shops or whatever you call them. That makes me real nervous. Amen. Uh, when, when I see that, uh, and I listen, but that's the world that we're living in. Isn't that right? Y'all still believe that out there? I still believe every bit of that. Amen. If I had a son and he wanted to fool with flowers all day, I'd whip him. Somebody say amen. I'd pull my belt off and I'd, listen, I'd make stars and stripes from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, amen? I mean, listen, they just, some things men ain't got no business doing, they some things women ain't got no business doing. Oh, Lord. Leave out your obligations, amen? If your wife's putting brogans on, hey, you got a reason to be nervous. Isn't that right? But anyway, he said, 
return to thine own house. Go home. Now I will tell you this. Your first obligation to your family is a spiritual obligation. Don't you be a husband and men gotta work. Sometimes men have to work in this church and I understand that, I understand that. But I'll tell you, you're just be the spiritual leader of your home. Never let your job cause your spiritual life to suffer. Amen. You can bring home, you can pay the bills and pay the bills and pay the bills and all the while your home be falling apart. And I understand sometimes men, I thought about Brother Laddie when he was on the power board, sometimes a storm would come in and he'd have to miss a Sunday and a Wednesday and sometimes work two weeks at a time and not be at her church. I understand things like that. And I'm just simply saying, don't put your, I know a man that's in heaven this morning or this evening. I got it. <laughs> I got up at five o'clock this morning. I don't have no idea what time it is right now. That old man is in heaven this morning yeah. or this evening. I will get it right. <laughs> Lord, help me. Do you know what? Forget it. I'm not even going to tell you now. I done lost it. Let's go to point number two. Look at verse 39. Live out his, his obligations. Live out his opportunities. Look at verse 39. He said, return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. That's what Brother Logan did tonight and others as well, but talking about how good God's been. He said, I don't want you to go with me because he said, I want you to live out your obligations, but he said, there's opportunities for you now that you're saved that you didn't have before when you wasn't saved. Can I tell you tonight, we ought to get up and go to work tomorrow and every one of us be reminded of the opportunities that we have. When you was lost without God and you was around lost people, you didn't have no opportunities to do anything. But now that you're saved, you've got an opportunity every day to be an example before your family, before your children, before those that you work with. You've got an opportunity, hey, to be a light in a dark world, to be a Christian in a time when so many name the name of Christ. Can I tell you something? Rhetoric is so cheap nowadays uh, and rhetoric without righteousness doesn't mean anything, amen? I'm amazed at people that can talk so much about God and if you listen to them, you would think they was you'd think they was right up there serving God, living for God. But when you look at their life, it's a different story. I'm not being critical when I say that. But I, I would encourage you, before you listen to what people say, look at how they live. Social media, social media ought to just be pushed off into hell. But I saw something one day. I saw someone that I knew and they were talking. I mean, they gave a, they posted something about praying for your family, your loved ones, having a burden for your children, caring for their soul and being a witness to them and, and, and really questioning them as to whether or not they're truly saved. And when I read that post, it was a tremendous post. You know the only problem with that? The person that posted that hasn't been to church in 10 years. And that's not a made up situation. That's the fact. And I'm amazed at people. Well, they talk a great talk. And they say things like, well, it really doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you something. It matters how we live. I wouldn't want you to follow me around with a pad because you'd have a list before sundown of all the things I've done because I'm flesh. But I want to tell you something tonight. I want to have a testimony. I mean, there's, there's a difference today. We all fall short of the glory of God. Can we get an amen right there? We know we're not perfect. We know we're not sinless. 
But there's a difference in that and falling short and just not living and living a poor, uh, living a bad testimony and saying that you're right with God. Saying it so don't make it so. Amen. In fact, the world is not listening to what we're saying. They're looking at how we're living. And what Jesus is saying is you've got an opportunity now. You're clothed. You're in your right mind. You've got your sanity. You've got salvation. You don't want to follow me. You are around everywhere I'm going. You want to go back home and you want to take, you want to seize those opportunities. You want to tell your family. You want to tell your friends. You're, you're a walking example of what the grace and the mercy of God can do. And can I tell you, that's what Jesus wants. That's his plan for all of our lives is that we live out our obligations and that, my friend, we live up to the opportunities that God has given us. Amen. Don't let the devil put something in your path that would rob you of the opportunities and the plan that God has for your life. And then I want to say this in closing, not only live out his obligations, live up to his opportunities, but then there's a third reason Jesus didn't answer this prayer. And it is so that this man would live in obedience. Look what he said, or look what the Bible said in verse 39, the middle part of that verse, and he went his way and published throughout the whole city, notice this, how great things Jesus had done unto him. You realize this man did exactly what Jesus told him to do? He said, I want you to go back home to your family and I want you to tell them how great things the Lord hath done for you. You know what he does? The Bible said he went back home and he published how great things the Lord had done for him. You see what this was? This was the first test in this man's life after getting saved. Would he obey God or not obey God? Would he take the easy route? I thought about Jubilee. You know, isn't it wonderful to go to Jubilee? Won't be too long and Jubilee will be around the corner and when you think about four days, you know, people that maybe don't know anything about it and you tell them, you're going to go to church for four days from, from nine o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night and it's just going to be preaching and singing and eating and fellowship and more preaching and singing and more eating and more fellowship and more preaching and more singing. They look at you like you're crazy. You don't do that for four days. But the truth is, if you ever take a week off, you don't want to go back to work the next week. Isn't that Right? Isn't it like four days of Jubilee is just like a week where it's better than any vacation you're ever gonna take. It's like a week off. You're just around saints of God. You're just hearing preaching and singing and getting spiritual help and drawing closer to God and you're not thinking about all the problems and you're not thinking about all the pressure of the world and you're not thinking about all the things in life and, and you're just getting closer to God and closer to everybody. And I'm telling you, listen, wouldn't it be wonderful to just live in Jubilee? Boy, I'm telling you. That'd be good. Here's the problem with that. You have obligations. You have opportunities. And to live in obedience means that sometimes in life we can't take the easy road. We have to do what God, you know, obeying God is sometimes difficult to the flesh. But it's always rewarding, isn't it? And Jesus said, you got a good prayer. That is a good prayer. Lord, I just want to be with you all the time. And Jesus says, that is a good prayer, but I got a better plan than your prayer. My plan is, I want you to go home and be a witness. Can I tell you tonight, I'm so glad God has a plan for all of our lives. We preach it to the young people and rightfully so because you, you have a clean slate tonight. God has a plan for your life. But I'll tell you, he has a plan for all of our life tonight. And you might be here and you might say, well, preacher, I've marred up some of that plan. Maybe you have. But God is God enough that no matter how many mistakes, you think about your children tonight. You ever, have, you ever told your children to do something and them not do that? I know you have. You ever had a plan for your children and they, they didn't fulfill that plan? 
Can I tell you what you don't do? You don't wipe them off. You don't X them out. You don't say you're done. You're done forever. I'm not talking to you no more. I'm not blessing you. No, you don't do that. You work with them. You help them. I'm going to tell you something. God is the same way with us tonight. We may fall short. We may make mistakes. But tonight, he still works with us. God has a plan. And what my responsibility and your responsibility to do is to take that prayer and say, Lord, change my prayer, whatever it is. Format my prayer. Lord, I'm asking you for this. I'm praying this, but God, format, format that prayer to fit your will, your plan for my life. Because I promise you tonight, and I'm sure many can testify, that God's way, God's will, God's plan is the greatest plan for all of our life tonight. As we stand tonight, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed.